You're listening to episode 239 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a podcasting coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, and a Canadian with a sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using stories to connect with and positively impact others. Here on the Room to Grow podcast, we're going deep into big topics like relationships, mental health, business, confidence, lifestyle, personal development, and entrepreneurship, and being open, honest, and real about how to learn from tough lessons along the way when life throws you into the unexpected. I bring you thoughts and guests with stories that will change the way you look at the world and yourself so that we can learn from each other and grow with lots of self-love and compassion every step of the way. There's always more room to grow. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey there, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here, and today's guest is extra special because I rarely bring back podcast guests for additional episodes. So you know that when I do, they are very exceptional humans. (laughs) So I am bringing back the amazing Renelle Nelson back onto the podcast for a continued discussion around sex, relationships, communication, and this one is so juicy. You guys, it is so incredibly juicy. Let me tell you a little bit about Renelle and then I'm going to hop into what we are going into in this episode because there's a ton that we covered and it is awesome. This was such a good discussion and I could have chatted with Renelle all day long. (laughs) So Renelle is an infidelity and intimacy recovery strategist and she assists individuals and couples with healing from the residue of betrayal, learning how to reconnect back to themselves, life, relationships, and pleasure. Renell is a licensed marriage and family therapist and also a certified sex therapist and a coach, and she's been assisting individuals and couples with change for over 10 years. Renell's wisdom and knowledge in this field is absolutely astounding, and we went deep into a ton of topics, including communication before getting into the bedroom and why it will make your sex life even hotter, by the way, <laughs> uh, trust, transparency, and how to strengthen your relationship, the difference between checking in with your partner and actually connecting with your partner, and how to even start those types of conversations, how to figure out if you feel emotionally safe with your partner as well, and then how to deepen that connection again. Why expectations will break your heart and making assumptions that will kill your relationship far faster than any affair will. The importance of active listening. Why good relationships require you to leave your ego at the door. (laughs) That's a big one. And giving versus receiving pleasure as well. There is so much more that I can't even list here. And uh, originally I brought Ronelle on to episode 136 of the podcast where we talked, um, again, communication came up in that one, but we also talked a lot about infidelity and betrayal in that one too. This one is a little bit different and I'm really, really excited for you to get to meet Ronelle. Um, She's also got some really cool stuff going on right now, some different projects coming out, including her pleasure agenda, which I highly recommend going to check out. So make sure to grab the link for that in the show notes. And I don't want to hold this up. So let's get going with Renelle. I am delighted to have Renelle Nelson back on the app on the podcast for the second time. I've managed to get her on twice now. Renelle, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for coming back on. (laughs) Thank you for wanting me back. And it wasn't a petition to keep me away. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. You and I, and I'll reference your original episode uh, where we talked all about infidelity and betrayal and all of that stuff. Your episode has just continued to do really well. People still reach out to me about you. And uh, the reason why I brought you on originally was because when I did um, the episode about the nine-year affair that my former partner had, I referenced you in that episode and the quote that you have about, we all eat lies when our hearts are hungry. And Mm -hmm. I was telling you before we jumped on, that episode came out over well over a year ago and people still reach out to me about that particular quote. And they're like, damn, Renelle nailed it with that line. I'm like, I know she did. (laughs) That's why we have to come back on. So you and I had said that we were going to do a part two, uh, all about sex and we're doing it today. And I have all the questions. It's so funny because you don't even really know what we're talking about, but I was like, Renelle, I have so many questions to ask you. (laughs) I do. But for the quote, we all eat, uh, we eat stuff when they're like, I don't know. I heard that somewhere. So I just want to get credit. I want nobody coming to you be like, Renelle didn't really say that. I just heard it and I use it where necessary because when it comes to healing or acting on scarcity, I just use it in every aspect. So shout out to the original person who said it, but it works for my uh, clients. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Well, if anyone ever finds out who the original person was, I will absolutely reference them. In the meantime, I'm going to reference you with at least an asterisk, like Renelle yeah. asterisk. <laughs> 
Renell reports. <laughs> That's right. Renell reports X quote. Yes. <laughs> okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Renell, because you have a wide, varied background and you do many incredible things. So tell us okay. a little bit about you. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm an ASEC certified sex therapist. I'm an infidelity recovery coach, and I'm also um, a certified sexuality coach. So just a few things. <laughs> just a few. <laughs> so for anyone who has questions about basically infidelity, sex, or anything in between, you are the woman that we are coming to. <laughs> and I and I did it that way. I wanted to. T I wanted to be who I needed when I was going through disconnecting from my body. I want to go. I wanted to be the person who I needed when I was going through betrayal. So I became who I needed. And I think that's really powerful because I, I think that's how a lot of people end up finding their greater purpose in life is finding purpose in their pain and mm -hmm. finding out how to navigate that. And once you've kind of gone through that, you want to be able to help others go through the same thing. Like, do you want to share any of any of your personal story at all? Well, it was just my story can be real quick. It's just like a normalized story. It was just like a young girl introduced to sex um, at a young age, highly sexualized, um, got disconnected. Like so many of us across a cultural background, some of us are only taught to please and not receive pleasure, you know, depending on who raised you or you talked about. So that's where the disconnection came in, not really understanding my body and not knowing what it was for, you know, and not to know I can be involved, right? And then the other one is just like, I was in a long-term relationship. I was habitually betrayed. I stayed after children. Um, eventually um, it kept happening. I tried, I didn't have the tools to make it work. So I left, but nobody told me that the trauma still exists. So what I do, uh, my passion is I, I'm an infidelity recovery expert. I think I, because of what I've been through and I'm seeing what's going on, I think I study about infidelity more than a normal person because so many times we are reactive and not proactive. You know, infidelity hides in the dark. Um, some of the conversations that I think we should have. So I built a whole conversation instigator. You know, that's going to be a card game coming out too. Yes. It's just a whole about, about instigating the conversations. You know, it's a lot of card games out there, but mine's going to focus on betrayal. You know, we have to instigate these uh, conversations and I didn't know how to stay. I left and I still was going through it. And then that what happened with me is became self-betrayal, right? So it's all these different levels that I went through. So, um, 80% of the things that I talk about, I went through and I'm not telling you like our pain match, like we match, like I get it. I'm just showing you my scars so you know you can heal. Yeah. And I think that's really a, a really powerful part of empathy in general is knowing that each, each person's experience is unique, but that you can still relate and you can still understand where somebody is coming from when they're going through something like that. And I think that's right. what you, makes you so good at what you do. Thank you. Well, I have, I already have more questions just from what you said in that whole situation. So, okay. One thing that it's funny because I actually had made a note that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about vulnerability and uh, like communication, asking questions. And that one of my, I feel like my love language is asking questions and something that I, a tool that I really like using is something like the card game. We're, we're not really strangers, but there's so many out there that are coming out. And I think that's really cool that you're going to be coming out with one around betrayal specifically. So you have a couple other kind of physical products that are coming out that I'm really excited about. So we're going to get into that more because I want to make okay. sure that we fully cover that. Um, so let's talk about communication then let's, let's go down that road because this, th this is like the key, right? You know, we hear this communication is so important. We often will tell people that we want communication, but then when it comes time to do it, we don't actually want to have mm -hmm. the hard conversations. Mm -hmm. And you also have a hashtag that I'm a little bit obsessed with about communicate before coming. Mm -hmm. We need to talk about this, Renal. So tell mm -hmm. us about communication and how it, how it impacts our sex lives. Well, I said to communicate before coming, basically um, is communicate so before we get in the same bed, let's get on the same page. Mm. What that came from so many people that I deal with ask questions after the act. Yep. 
Um, what are we? Are we going together? Um, next time, should we use protection? Um, do you have an STD? Um, all these questions after the fact. Um, and a lot, as we know, expectations break our heart. So I just want to get in the front of the conversation. And I say, communicate before coming, before you take off your clothes, you know, let's get in each other's head before you get in my body. So it was like that, even, you know, I'm, I am free love. I'm into, you know, I don't have any volume, non-monogamy, anything, even for the simplest um, one night stands, a booty call or whatever. I'm all for that consensual things. The whole key is to communicate that. Because one thing is we may be in the same space, but on two different levels. So I expect something and um, you expect something else, and then we both get our feelings broke, right? So that's where the whole communicate before coming. And it also go on to um, married couples, uh, a lot of times dealing with pain, not intimate, um, safety, meaning not safe enough to expose myself. Uh, trust, transparent. We don't talk about those things, but we so willing to give people our bodies before we give them ourselves. So that's the whole concept about communicate before coming, you know, orgasm or not, before you get into the act, I think we need to have a talk. There's, there's a lot of power in what you're, you're saying here. And again, I have so many more questions and it's funny because when you said expectations break our hearts, I actually already had made a note to touch base with you around sex expectations. And is it normal to sort of expect the hottest sex of your life on the first try with a new partner too? Mm. And it, that I think can be a bit of a misconception because sometimes I have, I have girlfriends in particular who will have sex with somebody new and then they'll just write them off because it wasn't any good and then mm -hmm. my question is always but did you tell them what you like did you mm -hmm. tell them what you're into did you have a conversation what's, what's my other hashtag assume don't discuss don't assume discuss yes right yes so many times all i did with uh, is assumptions and we have these storylines in our head and we just give people the role they didn't even um audition for yeah, you know, and we and we compare ourselves to other people, even though we say we don't watch porn or we don't watch love stories. We get infatuated with the idea of something. So that's where the, the good enough sex model came from. You know, you're gonna have good enough sex, and just know all the times you're not gonna orgasm, all the time it's not gonna be A, B, and C. But that, that doesn't stop. Remember, intimacy is not sex. Sex is just a part of the intimate act, right? But it's not intimacy. And that's when that gets evolved, you know, being more intimate about something. Because uh, every time, you know, we got to do realistic. And it's like, I like to be real with my clients is, you know, all the time, you're not going to be able to have sex due to any um, physical concerns, illnesses, anything. So I always assist my clients with creating a toolbox. Oh, I love this. Right? Huh? I love this. Keep going. You have, to have, you have to create a toolbox because in the toolbox, when I give my clients, I'm like, I don't want to be with you all the time. Let's create this toolbox for when something come up, you can pull something out. You know, like we talk about lubrication. We talk about toys. We talk about how to massage. We talk about all this instead of, again, being reactive. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about your partner um, if they can't, if it's um, a heterosexual relationship, erectile dysfunction, performance anxiety. You know, women, lack of lubrication, thinning vaginal walls. This stuff is going to come. Let's get on the forefront of it and let's create our toolbox so it doesn't interrupt our life. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They just think, oh, if I don't have this, um, especially arousal is another thing we can talk about, that if we don't have this big whip to do fireworks, it's not for me. It's not like this. I'm like, if you keep chasing that and you are more um, married to that idea, you're going to get your feelings broke. Yeah. And to me, that's also more lust and lust fizzles. 
lust doesn't doesn't last long term because lust often that that's often why affairs happen is because there's that that mystery and the the intrigue and the the knowing that you're doing something wrong that that helps to keep the keep feeding the affair because it's it's that that is what is that that's creating and as soon as you remove those parts of it you're not always left with a huge amount at the end of the day sometimes mm -hmm. yes but not and always it's anxiety is yeah affairs are ever you you chasing that you chasing that feeling yeah a lot of affairs especially people we um addicted to that serotonin that dopamine and they don't understand that when you over that it just matures. it doesn't go away it matures so just like anything it's an addiction you chasing that high again oh we must not love each other because i don't feel butterflies anymore no it just matured the lust has just matured love has just matured and we don't give it a chance or see how we can revive it. So what we do, we go chase something else to catch that feeling and we hit it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's part of the problem too. I mean, so when people maybe hit that point and I, I'm going to end up being all over the place with this interview, because there's like nine things that I want to backtrack to talk about too, but we're going to keep going down this track for a minute. If when, when it gets to the point of the relationship sort of maturing in that way, how can people continue to have the fire burning in their sex life when it matures, when they maybe aren't getting the butterflies anymore, or they need to, they feel like they need to mix it up or something like that. What do you recommend when, when your clients come to you with those types of issues? Cause I know that's really common. Talk about it. Communicate. I love it. <laughs> Talk about it. So many couples suffer in silence. And they think that no matter how long we've been together, we cultural, cultural, religious, political, you should know me. We think our partners are mind readers and we set ourselves up for failures. The ought to know, the mm -hmm. ought to know kills the relationship. And I talk a little bit about that, like assumption, judgment and resentment. You know, those are really the relationship killers. You yeah. know, because that's just what it is. I assume you should know, you ought to know. You should know me, we've been together. And we don't give ourselves credit for evolving. What turned me on when I was 16 doesn't turn me on at 40. What turns me on at 41 doesn't turn me on at 45 or 30. We change and we evolve and we don't know that unless we communicate. We have to check in with each other. Yeah. We just can't finish that. We read the book, we done reading the book of you and it's no more volumes. That's all it is. And that's what it is. And a lot of my couples, it is reintroducing yourself to yourself first. Remember, I always talk about me before we. You can't tell your share your changes unless you acknowledge them yourself. And then you share with your partner. What is that again? Intimacy. Right? Intimacy you see. Before you see inside yourself, you got to know yourself, right? You got to know yourself before you share it with your partner. You have to share it with your partner. And that's the thing where I like to talk about intimacy because so many people had the wrong concept of intimacy. They go for the couples, the um, relationship outside of them first. But really the biggest issue is self-intimacy. That's what we need to get down pat. And in that self-intimacy, I can tell myself, you know what, I used to love when I masturbated with this leg up and it did this. So when your partner joins and you put that leg up, it don't work instead of being, oh, not this again. You gotta let them know, hey, you know, try this one. But you have to know that for yourself and be aware of your own changes so you can share. I love the part when people say we grew apart. I said, no, you just stopped communicating. Mm. Yes. You didn't grow apart. You still stopped talking to each other. Yeah. You have another quote too about, um, you, you, you said communication is like lubrication for relationships. When applied correctly, things go much smoother and with less friction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really that's powerful mine. as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it is yours. Okay. There's no asterisk on that one. That is 100% right now. That's mine because I'm a sex therapist and I'm a couples and communication when applied correctly. It, I, I changed the words a little bit. It's like um, correctly and generously is less friction. And yeah. you think about put something on a uh, community, make it go so much smoother. 
communicate. And I know everybody say, Renell, that can't be the end all, begin all. Well, you let me know what else it is. Of course, we got the respect, we got the trust, we got the safety. We have all that, but we have to communicate our needs and wants, our desires to even get to that level and know that we're even reaching that point. Yeah. Right? And I always love to say that, remember, a relationship is made up of small, intimate conversations. If you're not conversating, you don't have a relationship, you have a situation. I love that you're bringing that up, actually, because I think it's also really important to figure out what kinds of communication because people can can say yeah well I, I talk to my partner all the time what's the problem but what types of communication are you having and it's not to say that you have to have super serious conversations all the time but there there have to be some of those instances where you're bringing some some bigger topics into the conversation in order to improve the communication so how do people go about actually having these types of communications with their partner and figuring out what that looks like within the context of their relationship. So I always say with my couples, it's a check-in and it's a connection. Okay. Check-in is surface. How you doing, what bills need to be paid. Connection is how can I support you? Is there anything I can do better? What would you like to do? Right. So it's always the check-in and connection for me. A lot of the couples are surviving on surface. They're not getting below the surface. And then I have to ask for self-intimacy, what is it or why is it that you don't feel safe to share these things with your partner? Mm, that's a question and a half right there. Yeah, because we have to address that because that's going to form sided resentment. And then saying that you can't even be your authentic self. Yeah. With your partner. And we know that comes into when another affair was split self affair. I can't be with, I can't be who I want to here. I'm going to be who I want to there. It has nothing to do with love. You can love your partner to death, but I'm more comfortable here. Yeah. Right. So this is why we need to talk about different points. And I know a lot of people say, well, my partner does not a talk person. Don't like I know I have a partner like that too, but you have to have the big conversations and just small ones throughout because you don't know and you can't keep assuming things. You can't assume they know. So if you don't have a talkative partner, maybe it's every so often y'all got to have a powwow or maybe it's a nonverbal that they give you. You know, that's when we go into the love languages and everything. Mm hmm but for you to understand a love language, you got to know your love language yeah. and you got to share it with your partner. So all, everything's going to stem back to some form of communication. Something that, that I have talked about with people before is not just knowing your own love language in terms of what you need to receive, but also asking the other person how they show love because sometimes the way that they feel loved and the way that they show love are two different things. And mm -hmm. I think it's really important to make a distinction about that. Have you come across that? Yeah, especially when I come to men with um, masculine and some cultural mm -hmm. uh, differences where they uh, receive love as uh, a different way, but how they show love is a, another way. And the thing is the understanding that um, they have to understand it. Yeah. We assume that they know and they don't know. And the assumptions are what kill relationships. It's the okay. assumption quicker than an um, affair. Assumptions will kill your relationship quicker than an affair. You know, one key thing that I talk about even with it, all communication is honesty and transparency. And when I say honesty, I, doesn't, I don't mean that brutally honest. I mean, honesty if it's going to benefit or it's going to hurt or harm, you know, help or harm our relationship, your partner should know. Transparency is meaning giving you the tools to be more transparent about it, just so it won't be nothing behind. And you know, I have this conversation all the time. Should I tell my partner everything? I say, if it's beneficial to them, I'm not telling you to deep, you know, complete and deplete yourself by completing your partner with all this stuff. But if it's something beneficial to them, why would you hold it back? Okay, so here's another question. I feel like sometimes there can be this 
idea that we shouldn't be too available to our partners, even if it's like, like a long-term, you know, secure relationship, secure attachment relationship that I, I have heard this idea tossed around that there should still be, you know, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of unavailability. So there's still almost like a little bit of the, I don't know, thrill of the chase is, is sort of a little bit more extreme than what I'm going for here. But it, does that make any sense to you? How do you feel about that? It makes a lot of sense to me. It's out of the context that you put it in. Um, your partner is your unsolvable puzzle. Ooh. Your partner is your Sudoku, right? I say Sudoku, whatever, how you say it, because I can't do them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> I'm terrible Sudoku. <laughs> so I say your partner is just your human Sudoku. And all it is, is you always be inquisitive about stuff. Um, always intrigued. And you always don't want it to go like, oh my God, how was your day? Well, what, are you going to do this? Well, how about this? You know, that's where I think, I think of it like that way, because when you like, uh, I know how your day went, you know, it just puts you in uh, your relationship on autopilot, you know, and that's when that check-in and that connection come in. Be, and that's part of intimacy. You know, your fears when we first got together was this, what are your fears now? That comparison, I think, is really powerful. Yeah, it's very powerful, and it's making me and be intrigued. And one thing we need to address before we go on about communication: communication is not all about talking; it's about being an effective listener. I love that you are bringing this up because I had a note about the difference between like hearing and listening, and how do we really start to get better at actively listening? Let's talk about listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, listening to me, I like the reflective listening because of my couples, I had them do that exercise and they think it's elementary and it's stupid. I said, but something stupid is going to save your life because just um, summarizing what you just heard cut down everybody's time, right? But the key to let's go more environmental. Just know that just because you're ready to talk, your partner is not ready to listen. You have to be a suitable time, just like I said. Don't talk to your person, your partner when they're um, tired, hangry. You know how that is. You know, <laughs> I'm a disaster if I'm angry. <laughs> yes. You know, um, different moods and everything. You gotta understand. And what I like to say, teach my part, um, partner and couples to do like, hey, I, and watch this. Sometimes words trigger, and that's why you gotta talk to your partner. I need to talk to you. That could trigger somebody, right? Yeah. Hey, babe, do you got time? I like to, you got space for something. I want to share something with you. That's different than I want to talk to you. Or we need to talk when you get home. Who likes that message? That's like the immediate sweating, like, holy shit, I'm having a panic attack. Moment. So what happens in you anxious? So you go into this space already to fight. Yeah fight or flight and like yeah. defensive and yeah. So if you're all of that, how can you hear or even listen to me? That's what we got to be aware of, but you have to know your partner's triggers. Yeah. How Which does is it part feel of when communication. Part of communication. How does it feel I say this? Or I like to say this, um, if I need to talk to you, how would you like for me to address it? Let them tell you. Yeah. Simple, right? Or if we need to talk about something to concern, what's the better part of the day? I love planning. I love rituals. You know, we know you might, might be a morning person. We know might not be at night. We know don't text me doing work. How are you going to know these things if you don't talk about? Because what you want to do is be fully present and you want to listen to understand and not rebuttal. You want to use reflective listening so you can say, okay, you don't have to say these exact words. So, okay, I heard you. So this is what you're saying. Or this is what you're saying. Did I get that right? Yes. And then I give you a time to get everything all clear. That's a really so powerful then we don't, tool. We, huh? That's a really powerful tool. And actually- Yeah, because I then we don't like... grow. We don't, go, we don't leave, leave that space with a misunderstanding and resentment is going to go. And that's you when assumptions happen again. Now- is this going to work 100% of the time? No. 
but you have the ritual set in place. And so I feel safe when I forgot something. I'll be like, babe, remember you told me that? Oh, uh, what did you say? I feel better than that than scared to tell you I wasn't listening. Or I didn't really hear you. Because I'm telling you what you said, but I missed one part. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, I remember. This is what I said. Instead of, my, you never listen to me. This is what I'm talking about, right? So it's going to help you in the long run because just think about it. You build in safety, creating a safe environment. You build in trust, right? Commitment. What is all that? Intimacy. Full circle. It could be all so simple. So good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, something I think that is also really important when it comes to listening and relationships in general too. And this is a problem for many of us. And I am guilty of this as well. I think we all have to put the damn phones away and close the computers and turn off the TVs and like all the electronic devices need to go away in order to be able to communicate well and to listen effectively. I don't think that that those things can happen. I agree, but isn't that so fun? Again, I say create a date night. Remember intimacy is made outside the bedroom. How awesome is it to on a date night plan your social media policy? Yeah. Plan your policy because one thing we need to talk about the boundary of social media. Mm -hmm. We talk about a like, a DM, and a message. We need to talk about the rules of that, passwords, whatever. And if we already talked about that, we can have a ritual about how much time is what. I work with this with my couples where sometimes you get off of work. Let's give each other 30 minutes each on the phone and then we put them up. I love that because then you're still giving people the space to do the scroll and whatever. Because sometimes, you know what, it can just be like relaxing too. It's like you're catching up on the day. You're just taking a moment to decompress. I feel that way too. I get it. But yeah, I think that then you have to talk about it. You have have to talk talk about about it it because I, in my sessions, I had so many people be like, well, you do it too. Well, you do it too. And I had to say, Hey, let's not say who's right. What's right. What's right for the relationship. What's right for the relationship. We have a social media or electronic policy because it goes to, I had a client, he played video games. That was his respite. You know, so he made it that before his wife got home, he would play video games, but have enough time to do stuff that need to be done because he got caught up in the video games. Yeah. Right. So he had to like, before I even get on the video game, make sure everything need to be done, you know, and then when she got home, she got to detox wherever she wanted to. And then they had being fully present. I recommend 20 minutes of FaceTime a day with my couples. And that's when you do your check-in and you do your connections. But to make that environment safe and everything. I know people say, I got to have my phone. If you're not a doctor, I mean, I'm a therapist. I don't need my phone on. Because I mean, sometimes, why do we work to be with our family? So why not be with our family? You know, we work to provide for our families. So we need to be with them. And that's what's that doing again? Showing commitment, building trust and safety. I have another family that um, when they come in, all the chargers are in the kitchen. Mm, and as soon as they come in, they just charge up everything. And then they have times. They have okay. And then you have the one when it's a family thing, they just turn off the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Yeah. I think so it's awesome. different things. And if people get out of their head and stop thinking about what can't be done and what can be done, you can create your own ritual. And then if your partner is against them, ask it why? Because unfortunately. Um, this is going to hit hard because we are addicted to those devices. We are, we absolutely are. And again, I'm the first one to be like, yeah, I, sometimes I totally have an addiction problem to my devices. <laughs> I had posted something, um, not too long ago. I said, um, touch your partner as much as you do your smartphone. Oh, I like how that sounds. <laughs> I had, That's I saw awesome. that post and I was like, oh my God. So I reposted it and I got so many comments. It's like, yeah, you right, I right. I was like, 
how much you touch your phone, touch your partner that way. Yes, because I, I, I don't know about Androids, but the iPhones will actually tell you how many times you pick up your phone in a day. And I think the average is like 147 times. If my partner touched me 147 times a day, I'd be like, hell yes. <laughs> I can't even, and I have to tell, I have to schedule five times. I tell my couples five times a day for touch. Think about that compared to your smartphone. Exactly. Think about when you can't leave without your smartphone. It's in the bathroom. It's anything. It's everywhere. If you put that much attention into your relationship, how better would your relationship be? You talk about you can't communicate, but you communicate all day online. Even if you like it, that's communication. Commenting, that's communication. Watching something. That's your attention. Yep. But you can't give none of that to your partner. So that's a lot of time we need to check in with ourselves and just say, you know what, and admit it. You know, you're right. And I am, I just need to change. Purifier, you are speaking purifier right now. Okay, let's let's circle back to trust a little bit and okay. like how things like this, like show these types of communications and stuff show safety and they build trust and they, they demonstrate commitment. Mm -hmm. What are the other ways that we can, kind of go about building up some of some some more trust because trust is built over like these small little tiny acts it's not these giant ridiculous over the top acts of love that show trust trust is something that is built slowly over time and trust is so important when it comes to good sex and i don't think that people always make the connection between the two because you have to be able to trust the person that you're with, even if it's, you know, a one night stand or whatever. But if, if we're talking about a long-term relationship as well, that's even more crucial to really be nailing down that trust factor on both sides. I think um, I sound like a broken record, but <laughs> I love taking basic words and sitting down and getting on the same page with the meaning. My trust is different from your trust. How I receive or give trust may be different. How can you earn trust back to me? How can I earn trust back to you? How is trust broken? Isn't those some sexy conversations? You sit there, make a picnic about it and talk about it. That's my because kind of sexy picnic. <laughs> huh? That's my kind of sexy picnic. <laughs> because you think about it because stuff can be arousing if you wanted it to be. And what is that being proactive? Because... I thought about, I, I do a lot of infidelity research and I'm just finding more trust is personal and trust is power. Trust is a personal issue because you grant that to somebody. So for you, for you to get trust, I have to grant you and be open to receive it. So when I hear couples or people say, I can't trust you, I can't trust you because you're not open to trust. So I said, okay, you can't trust them. How can they gain your, how can you, they can gain your trust back? I don't know. I said, well, how the hell are they going to know? Because that's a communication issue. If, if you can't communicate and if you don't know within yourself what it will take to have your partner do something that will help you trust them again, then that's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. But then we, we expect that all to know. They all to know, especially when I deal with infidelity, they knew how to hurt me. They ought to know how to heal me. I'm like, that's, come on. No, right? that's not going to work. That's no. not, that doesn't even make sense to you. You just saying stuff because you hurt. And trust is ultimately a choice too. Trust, and, to trust is a choice. Yeah. And with couples, I tell that you can tr not trust and be in a relationship and you have to set up like you can trust them 15%, 20%, 30%. But how can they get more of the percents back? What do they need to know? What's your measuring tool? How do you need to feel in your body? Again, I'm always going back, go back to self-intimacy. See how I go on the same stuff? It's self-intimacy. Know what you need to know about trust for yourself. And then also understand is the mistrust you have for them, their shit or somebody else shit. Mm, yeah, and we not punishing. Talk about that. Yeah, and not talk about how partners. we put our unhealed. Yep, how we put our unhealed trauma and expectations on our partners. Yep, we you're not only gonna heal me, you are gonna heal me from the past, from my daddy, uh, when I got sexually abused, you, the five men that cheated on me. I don't trust none of y'all. So one, how I can't. That's a heavy load for anybody. Yeah, 
No, and, and the relationship is going to inevitably crumple under the weight of that kind of expectation. There's no way that a relationship can survive that and be, and be a healthy connection anyway. But isn't sometime, if we really want to keep it 100, isn't some of um, your listeners out there want that self-fulfilling prophecy because I want, I don't have, nobody is good for me. Yep. Everybody lies. Everybody cheats. Yeah. So you set up people to fail so you can make yourself seem right. Exactly. We don't talk about self-fulfilling prophecy of self-betrayal. See, that's a whole nother conversation of Of self-betrayal. Exactly. Like, do you, do you want to be right? Or do you want to be loved? Like which one, which one do you want it to be? It's hard. I don't know. As they would say, I don't know. And I said, if you don't know, at least educate or try to get some idea before you want your partner to know. And that's how I always say me before we, you know, I believe a relationship is two healthy individuals and you just could join together. Now does the hundred percent change from here? Yeah, yeah, it is give and take. But at least you're coming in with some self-intimacy, self-acknowledgement, values and morals that it, yeah, it's going to fluctuate, but I'm not going to depend on you to complete me. Yeah. Because then I'm going to live in resentment because I'm not being myself. That and whole... nine times out of 10, that's going to end in um, affair is because I'm going to find myself in somebody else. And then exactly. I'm going to find myself in somebody else. That's all self-intimacy. Right. So real quick, it's needing love and wanting love. A healthy spectrum is in the middle. We know needing love is the hierarchy of needs. Somebody providing your food, shelter, this, everything you need, love. Then it's wanting love. How um, summarize wanting love? If you take, they take it all away, you love that person for who they are. So when you have somebody who just in a need and love thing, they're going to jump around and whoever give them that need. Whoever fulfills that need, they're going to chase that need. One in love is they're going to ride out a little bit more. It's okay to need your partner. It's okay to want your partner. It's when it get heavy on either side. Wanting somebody can go really bad too because you want them so much, you're not even thinking about what they're doing. So a healthy spectrum is in, in between. Yeah. And all that, that's all part of self-intimacy. Yeah. And, and honestly, know why you love, why you want a relationship? These are good day night questions. What a relationship mean to me? What does love mean to me? I love that. You want to say, you want to stump somebody at a party. What does a relationship mean to you? You will hear so many things. And why are you in a relationship? They're going to lie and talk about love. But nine times of 10 is because my family want me to get down to the real stuff. You know, I don't want to be by myself. They look good on paper. I don't know how to get out of it. <laughs> yes. I love asking questions like this. And then people, the look on people's faces, they just look like deer in the headlights. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you're asking me this. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the answer. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, the thing is too, is that I really feel like good relationships in general, we require you to check your ego at the door. Because if you bring ego into the equation, it's not going to work because then again, it comes back to like, do you want to be right? Or do you want to grow? Do you want you, do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who makes you feel good? Or do you want to be in a relationship with somebody who will reflect the truth back to you as well? And, and I think that can be a bit of a spectrum that it sort of has to be a little bit in the middle of that as well. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is um, a really good question is, do you have space for a relationship? Oh Yeah. Just because you want something, you like the idea of it. Because yeah. I asked couples that because I was like, you holding on so much to this independence. Do you have space for someone else? Yeah. When you're in a relationship, we have to um, bust the myth that you lose yourself. Because so many people fight for themselves. And I love to give people the gift of A-N-D, and. You can have an independent, wonderful life and be in a healthy relationship. You can have hobbies and because so many times based on how we are raised, we know how to self-sacrifice ourselves for one or the other. But I don't let introducing people that you can heal and be in a relationship. You can do these things and and just adding that A and D, you can just physically see the sigh of relief on them like, 
I can, yes, I give them permission to add and. Because so many people think that once I'm in a relationship or being a mom, being a mom, I can be a sexy, orgasmic woman and be a good mom. That's such a beautiful reminder. And, and I have a huge smile on my face hearing that because I had to work through a lot of that too, that I, I could be a successful, you know, successful in business and have a healthy relationship. And that was really hard because I had so many blocks about that, that I thought I could only have one or the other. And it was like, okay, well, which one, like, which one are you going to pick? And that, and factor is really key, especially for moms. Like I hear, mm -hmm. I talk to so many moms who feel that way, that it has to be like one or the other. I can be a good mom or I can have the great business or I can have the great relationship, like all these different things. And it's really tough. And it once you start to tough. accept that, yeah, that you can have both, it, it, there is a huge sense of relief. Mm -hmm. And if you have a block about why it can't happen, I would love for you to challenge it. I love doing cognitive therapy because you create those thoughts. These thoughts don't come out of space. You create the thought and you can challenge the thought. I can't do both. Challenge yourself on why can I do both? Give yourself facts, concrete facts of why you can't do both. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, you can't. Because you're going on a feeling, not facts. Feeling, not facts. I love that. And I, I try to always remember that as well, that feelings are not facts. And most of the time we think the feelings are facts. <laughs> then we make assumptions. Then we don't have conversations. <laughs> it just goes down this entire dark spiral. <laughs> yeah. And we react on that. And we have this whole scenario on something that never even exists. It only exists in our head. Yeah. One thing that, um, a tool that I like to use that I've, I've heard Brene Brown talk about is when you're having a difficult conversation, you can actually say to the person, you know, if you're having all these feelings come up or, or whatever, you can say to the person, okay, the story that I'm telling myself is, and then you tell them whatever the story in your head is. And then they can, if, if, if the real story doesn't match that, then they can correct you so that you aren't stuck in those assumptions. And that can be a really great tool to break out of that. Especially with infidelity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because we had this whole fascinated thing about what the affair is like. And then when we hear bits and pieces, it wasn't even like that. Yeah. Well, and then, anything. Affair is just one topic, but anything, just like if some my husband didn't get up and kiss me uh good morning. Is he cheating? Is he that? What did he know? What did it and you go on spiral, 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 right? And that's why you say, well, the thing I'm saying in my head is this, is this right? They look at you like, what? Yeah. I just had to use the bathroom. You know, it's just be like. <laughs> and it's so easy to fall down those spirals, especially oh if we're God. like already in like a mood or something, we can just plummet down that spiral. <laughs> because we, especially when you have betrayal trauma, I always talk about pistonthrobia. Um, pistonthrobia is the fear of trusting. And I posted that and I got so many responses because people were like, are you, it, it, it is something for real. I'm saying, yes, it's an anxiety disorder, pistonthrobia. So people was like, wow. And I was like, when you have um, betrayal PTSD and pistonthrobia, you are going to try to be ahead of anything that may harm you. Your hypervigilance will wear you out. I have to really remind my people who went through this that, you know what, well, you can't trust them, but trust yourself. If you're going to get into a situation, you're going to be able to get out. I just need to have them to breathe because they're so scared of love. They're so scared of everything. And they are over, like, overprotective, over thing like that. Where are you going? You lying. I said, are you really solving anything? Yeah. So that's the whole thing. A lot of stuff you're talking about is from past betrayals. You know, that overthinking, you overthink because you don't want to mess up this time. Yeah. You yeah, overthink because it's safer in your head. Exactly. In reality. And I have to remind people at least 40 times a day to get out of their head. I mean, I can say, get out of your head. I can see them. I'll be like, get out of your head. And then they just laugh. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So you can see those wheels turning. <laughs> you can see the wheels turning, but I don't know which way they turn. <laughs> well, and being so used to being in a relationship that involves trauma, 
it can be really easy to become addicted to that, that pain cycle and to become so hypervigilant that then when you're in a healthy relationship, it feels boring. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh well, there must be something. There must be something mm-hmm. wrong. You're like, so addicted not enough dysfunction, here. You don't know how what happiness feels like. Yeah. A, um, dysfunction is a drug. We talk about marital dysfunction. Um, I think we talk about when somebody. I had a client, and it wasn't funny. She called me crying, 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 and I asked her what was wrong, and she didn't feel anything. I said, "That's peace." And she just cried. She didn't feel any anxiety or anything. She said, I don't feel anything. I was like, that's peace. We worked through so much. The thoughts are went down. Your blood pressure down. She didn't know how to feel because she was so used to dysfunction and chaos. She had peace and she didn't know how to feel. And that's a lot of us. We strive and we, we live our life on dysfunction or chaos that when it's quiet or something, we think it's wrong. That goes back to your childhood too. That goes back to your childhood and everything. Watching how your caregivers or parents, what in that energy in the house, nine times out of 10, we gonna duplicate that. Or sometimes we not gonna duplicate it in that way. And then we gonna go to the extreme left and we create another dysfunction. And that makes it very difficult to receive pleasure too. Oh, let's not talk about my favorite topic, pleasure. <laughs> let's get into this right now. I don't want to hold you up all day because I could seriously talk to you like all night. But yes, let's get into your favorite topic. Let's talk about this. <laughs> pleasure. Pleasure is something. And pleasure doesn't always have to deal with sex. Um, arousal doesn't even always have to do with sex. It's what brings, and I say what brings you pleasure in and outside the bedroom. You should have a pleasurable lifestyle. You should have an arousal lifestyle. And what does that mean? Another date night question. You know, what does pleasure mean to you? What's pleasurable to you? How do you like to give and receive pleasure? These are some good, sexy topics. Yeah, they are. I'm gonna be going back and like taking notes of all of these questions (laughs) that you've been saying. (laughs) You know, these are the things that we need to talk about to bridge and that intimacy and everything. We talk about pleasure, but then I like to talk about the things that prevent you from pleasure. You know, sometimes we prevent ourselves from pleasure by stuff in our head. We so disconnected from our bodies. We so disconnected from, um, we have expectations, high expectations in our reality. You know, I just always love to say, and um, like a lot of sex therapists say, we all say the same thing, pleasure is your birthright or pleasure is the point. And when we say pleasure, sometimes we say that because we deal with a lot of people who chase orgasm. And we know, and we like, you know what? Orgasms are very good. I love orgasm. Orgasm help with so much, but what about the pleasurable journey? Because nine times out of 10, sometimes in sex, you may not orgasm does not mean that the sex was not good. Oh, that is, yes. I'm so glad that you're bringing this up. Yeah. And that's why we got the courtesy moans and we say, say no to courtesy moans, you know? And we have to say no to anything. And then that's when sex become more of an act and a performance. And that's what we got to get out of instead of a connection. Depending on what kind of sex you want. Maybe you and your partner want that hard, rough stuff. But again, you're going to communicate that before you have it. I'm not coming into bed thinking that we're going to make love and you come in with a whole BDSM outfit. <laughs> you know, we have to, we have to talk about that. Not, neither one is right or wrong. It's just that we got to get on the same page. And a lot of us in the same page. And then to really clear your expectations out of the way and just enjoy the ride. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that you're bringing this up. And I mean, it, you kind of touched earlier too on, on the idea of giving versus receiving pleasure and that one can be harder than the other. And, and I don't even necessarily mean that just in the bedroom either. Like that can be difficult just in, a variety of different ways and show up in, in all kinds of different ways in life that people can find it easier to give than to receive. Um, mm-hmm. even if it's just like love or a variety of other things. And why do you feel that? I mean, that can happen for a variety of different reasons, but what do you feel are sort of the, the biggest, the biggest points that you see coming up when it comes to that? Um, upbringing, mm-hmm. trauma, uh, and again, upbringing, then learn behavior, uh, generational curses, generational narratives. Generational trauma. Um, yeah, generational yep. trauma, all of that. 
it all go back. So sometimes it's deeper, it's deeper than what we feel. It, we got to dig deep. So and how that's do we break that? Acknowledging it. Okay. Seeing that it exists, seeing that the pattern, seeing what is a pattern and being open to want to change it. That's the key. <laughs> Taking um, constructive criticism when somebody points it out to you more than three times. That's a good rule. You know, sometimes we jump relationships because we try to run from ourselves and we keep meeting ourselves and the other person, the other person, the other person. And sometimes we don't want to deal with ourselves. So we hide behind other people. Instead of dealing with it, man, not that you messed up, you need to be more aware of what's preventing you from pleasure, preventing you from living, preventing you from having a successful life. Yeah. And that's part of the journey, I think, for sure. It is. And it's just understanding that and knowing, um, you know, I tell my clients, give yourself the same grace, forgiveness, and love you give other people. Mm -hmm. You know, we write forgiveness letters. We write love letters to ourselves. We give ourselves grace, daily grace. You know, we wake up to gratitudes and affirmations because, you know, happiness is a personal journey, just like healing. Your partner can only support you. They can't give it to you. You have yeah. to choose and be open to it. So a lot of things I talk about with my clients when it comes to couples is individual work. And then it's, and then we better equip to go and mess with the couple issues because when the couples present, they are the identified client. But I can feel the energy sometimes and I have a side conversation or a whole session with them and say, hey, this is what I'm feeling coming up. You probably need to get your own therapist to work on that. And they come out so successful because they're like, you're right because they want the relationship to heal them and it's not. Their partner can't heal. So they keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result and it doesn't work out. That's a great reminder about how important it is, which brings it back to what you've been saying all along about self-intimacy too, and getting to know yourself and figuring that out for yourself. And I mean, when it comes to that, do you, how do you think, it kind of ties into also like take a little bit of time apart. Like I, I'm not talking about going on a break, but just to give each other some breathing space and stuff too, because I think you should have your individual stuff because you have to check in with yourself. Yeah. You have I'm to, into, I, I'm otherwise into there's no space to do yourself. that. I'm into all of that. I'm into um, me time. Yep. Because I, those are the healthy relationships I've seen when people have um, hobbies and activities outside of the relationship. So they do something for them, then they do something for each other, then they do something if they have a family. Those are the healthy relationships I see because they don't feel depleted trying to complete something else. You know, yeah. is it kind of difficult? Only if you make it to be, but there's nothing wrong. And I'm not talking about a spa day. I'm talking about just getting a cup at Starbucks or your local um, coffee shop sitting there with a book. I'm talking about going in the bathroom and closing the door. I'm talking about going to the bathroom and just going and closing the door and just talking to each other. I mean, talking to yourself. I'm sorry. <laughs> These are all the things I think will help in a relationship. Yeah, I think so too. You have to have that stuff because I want you to check in, but you got to check in with yourself. Yeah. And how are you going to do that if you don't have the time to? Yeah. Right. It's so crucial. I agree. Okay. I just have a couple more questions and we're going to wrap up because I'm already taking way too much of your time, but I'm just so excited to have this conversation. This so okay. let's quickly talk about sex and the pandemic. So what, what are you seeing? Like, what are people approaching you about in relation to this? What are the biggest issues you're hearing about from your clients and what about people who are single right now too like best advice for for the single people out there as well for single people this is a this is um a perfect time the pandemic is just like like beyonce say world stop you know uh this is just for you making you take the time to do a lot of self-awareness self-reflection self-intimacy uh to prepare for a relationship this is giving you time to communicate because you're Zooming, you're on the phone, you're sexting, you're doing phone sex, you talking more. So this is a perfect time for singles to understand themselves and understand their potential partner. 
yeah. or dating to see what they even want. Far as couples, I don't believe that the pandemic is separating couples. The pandemic is showing the reality of your relationship. Mm, yes. So if you can't spend time with this or you can't do that, that's just the um, pandemic is showing is like a mirror, a mirror to your relationship. Um, this is the perfect time to start thinking about what you can't do. Think about what you can do. This is a time to have date nights, even though you make it funny. Y'all haven't been, y'all been in the same house all day. Take a shower. Take a shower, put on some clothes, sit on the porch, sit on the backyard, take a walk. You know, we are losing, the electronics is making us lose our creativity. And we comparing ourselves. We so busy moping about what we don't have. What do we do have? I have my best friend or I have somebody I can reconnect with in the house. Board games, playful, rest, anything we can do. Uh, watching a movie, writing reports, reading to each other. It's so much things we can do to really reintroduce ourselves to each other. So it's all about what the mirror is reflecting back. If it was never there, it's going to show you it was never there. But it's time you can reconnect. So I just say that the pandemic is really a mirror. It all depends on what you're looking for in a reflection. I think that's a really powerful reminder. That's, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Yeah, I agree. Renelle, where can we find and connect with you? Okay. And I know that you also have, I want to circle back to a couple of the physical products that you have coming out that I'm very excited about and I will be signing up for first. <laughs> so um, I'm very excited. I have the pleasure agenda coming out. Yes. It is um, a planner, <laughs> but it's the agenda. It's going to be your agenda for 21. It's going to have times and dates. I have so many date night tips. I have conversation starters. And what this whole agenda is to do is make pleasure your priority. So, you know, from scheduling sex to scheduling date nights or and even date night topics, this is something, a joint effort that you can do together, old school, hardcover, sitting down, pen and paper, let's work this out, right? Um, I also have a candle line coming out called Sessions with Renelle. What I like to do is give people tools. So it's going to be candles. And so the, um, the intent is burning with intent. So you burn these candles when a tent. So I have fun titles like Let's Talk, um, I, I Effed Up, uh, <laughs> Let's Connect, Our Connection Section. I give you a little card with them with conversation starters on them. You burn the candle and let's just talk. What a better way to set the mood, right? That's awesome. And, and for people who are dealing with infidelity, um, because this is infidelity betrayals my jam, I do have an intensive program coming up and I do have a seven step program, up, program coming up. So if you're dealing with affairs, you can find me at, at Affair Aftercare. Okay. If you are a wife, I have something for the wives out there who in a couple, he want to remain a, orgasmic. I have the orgasmic wife. That is at the orgasmic wife. And then it's Noir Sex Therapist. So um, that's the hub for anything. If you forget anything, just go on Noir uh, Sex Therapist, um, no E, and that would just um, direct you to anything. But I'm so excited about all the products and more coaching and stuff coming up. So you have many different levels to take me home with you in an ethical way and also uh, <laughs> ethical and consensual <laughs> ethical and consensual way you know and then also reconnect and you know because pleasure is your birthright yes I, I cannot think of a, a better way to wrap this up Renelle. and I just have one final question that I always ask everybody which is if you could offer people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves what would it be to get to know yourself to get to know yourself and to give room for improvement and give yourself grace. That's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Renelle, this has just been like, I, I, I could absolutely talk to you for a full day. I need to come out to Arizona one time. We can have a date and we can just hang out. Because... Come out. We'll go to Sedona and make a whole day of it. I, I need to do that. I've talked to you twice and it is not enough. I need to talk to you more. So I just love this. Thank you so much for taking the time. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I'm so grateful you took the time and it means the absolute world to me. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me on Instagram over at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with brand new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you. Bye.